Hey everybody and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. And as ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, coming to you live from the 90 Min studio. We've got plenty to discuss as always on today's show. We're going to be discussing the Gunners' fixture pileup, how we cope with it, what we're supposed to do to try and get through it as best as possible, whether it's a problem that a lot of teams will face, which of course it is, and how this season can be really badly affected by the really poor scheduling, you have to say. We'll be talking about the fact that the PSV game has now been rearranged. We'll be discussing the news that the Manchester City game has been postponed to make way for that. We'll be talking about the idea of Premier League All-Star games. And of course, we'll be talking about Ben White's omission from the England squad, as well as Spurs losing at Sporting in the Champions League. Uh, big hello to every single one of you who is with us live right now. If I could ask you a big, big favour, please do leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. And of course, if you're new to the channel, make sure you're subscribed. If you're listening to us via the audio platforms, then of course, please do leave us a review and make sure you're subscribed on wherever it is that you get your podcasts from. Uh, let's say a few hellos to people joining us in the live chat. Big hello to Jimmy Flo. Hope you're well. He says, hi, Harry. Hello to all. Big hello to Henry Guna. Uh, big hello to Creambone, who says, yes, H. How's it, big man? You know what? Creambone, I've got to call you out on this. He made a cracking joke in the... Um, in the Discord server about a kid basically having replaced me here on the podcast after I shaved my beard. I'll tell you this, he'll be back within a week or there or thereabouts. <laughs> it's, the, uh, it's the Cypriot genes. I keep telling you about this. Uh, big hello to Yuri. Uh, big hello to Steve. Uh, to Architutus Ducks, who's kindly broken down phonetically how we're supposed to pronounce uh, your screen name. Thank you so, so much uh, for that. Big hello to James, who says, Hi, Harry, I'm listening here in New Zealand. It's 1.40 a.m. here now. Wow. Uh, thank you for tuning in, mate. Really, really appreciate it. He says, I've always enjoyed your podcasts. Even heard you on the radio here on the SENZ channel the other day. Keep up the good work. Yes, I was on... Was it, it was either Thursday or Friday last week, I think. It was following the sad news regarding Queen Elizabeth's passing uh, that the guys asked me on. It's always a pleasure uh, to talk to them. And uh, great to hear that you uh, enjoyed the show and were listening in, mate. All the best. OK, look, let's let's get into the fixture pileup because that's kind of the big thing right now with me. You know, I'm I'm really concerned. I'm really worried about this. I'm really frustrated by this because, listen, we go into the campaign well, we went into the campaign knowing that this was going to be a tough one, knowing that it was going to be difficult for a, a number of reasons. A, you know, the fact that the competition is, is so strong in the Premier League year in, year out. You can ill afford to make too many mistakes. You have to find the level of consistency. And there were question marks around whether we'd done enough in terms of building that squad out from a numbers perspective. Now, we've talked about this recently, and I've said to you guys that although it's not the approach I would have taken, I believe that in Mikel Arteta's eyes, he would prefer to have a smaller, more committed, more aligned group. And I think the problem is with that is that when you've got a ton of fixtures to come in the way that we do, at some point that's going to bite you in the arse. Um, so the game against PSV, which is due to take place tonight, has been postponed. Really, really frustrating. And I'll tell you why, it, why it's really, really frustrating is because Chelsea were allowed to play at home in the capital last night against Salzburg. So whilst I understand the need um, to, you know, use 
police resourcing right at the moment, given everything that's going on here in London uh, following the Queen's passing, given the funeral is just around the corner. I get all of those things, but to allow Chelsea to play at home and then not to allow Arsenal to play at home uh, feels a little bit unfair. As I mentioned to you guys previously, I read somewhere that UEFA give priority to Champions League games, which is, I guess, fair enough. Um, but it was just really, really frustrating that you know, our plans for this week were, were essentially ruined uh, and changed. And as a football team, it can't be easy, right? If you're Mikel Arteta, you're preparing for a game. And then within days of that game taking place, the game has been postponed. And all of a sudden, you're in a position where you're kind of, you're ramping your team up in terms of their training, in terms of their fitness to be at the right level and at their peak going into that fixture after having missed the fixture the weekend prior and then your plans are thrown out the window again so I don't think it's great from a managerial perspective and from a preparation perspective it must be really really frustrating for managers having to contend with this and the big question was when the PSV game was announced as being postponed was when are we going to play it when are we going to fit it in because looking at the schedule you couldn't see a clear gap at, until at least January where it seemed feasible to put that game in and obviously the decision has been taken to put it into October, uh, which is already a crazy hectic month for us. And as a consequence, postpone the game that was due to take place on that Wednesday night uh, between Arsenal and Manchester City. So that one's been pushed back. And I don't really know if that's a good or bad thing, the Man City game being pushed back. I guess for me, I've talked a lot about momentum this season. And I think that the start that we've had in terms of the fixtures that we've sort of been given, you know, it, it's allowed us to build momentum. It's allowed us to uh, to get results and to build that confidence and to get ourselves in a headspace where things are looking great. And I think that's played a big part in the mood around the club, in the vibe around the club, um, in the way that the atmosphere uh, feels and, and seems when you're at games and uh, whether you're watching them on TV, I'm sure it comes through nowadays as well. And... You know, Everton, which was the game that we ended up uh, sort of missing out on last weekend, probably would have been three points, probably should have been three points at home against a side that many people feel will be fighting relegation this season. You've got to take three points from that. And then, of course, we've got a difficult game at the weekend against Brentford. Now, maybe the PSV game being off might allow us to better prepare for Brentford, might allow us to go to Brentford in better shape. And it is going to be a very physical and very demanding game, that one. And we're going to be bringing you a full preview show, as we always do on this channel, on this podcast, tomorrow afternoon, looking ahead to that game on Sunday, which is now at an earlier kickoff time. So make sure that you haven't got your scheduling wrong, because obviously that game initially was due to kick off at 2 p.m. and has now been brought forward to midday on Sunday. So, you know, on the one hand, maybe, maybe not playing PSV on Thursday might help us, but they were opportunities to build up momentum. Everton was a game that gave us an opportunity to bounce back after that Old Trafford defeat. PSV was a game that gave us an opportunity at home to continue that positive turnaround and continue to rebuild the mood back up to a good point after that Old Trafford defeat. I'm not even saying it, it went that bad or it went that sour, but obviously after you lose a game, if you can win a couple in quick succession off the back of that, it does kind of put that to bed and allow you to move on much, much quicker. So, you know, we go into this Brentford game, which is going to be potentially difficult. And then, of course, we've got the international break. 
Right, international break, not ideal, not in a season like this. You know, I never like international breaks. I never enjoy international breaks. You know, it's it's something that I always say, oh, you know, I'm tired. I could do with an international break. Let's get there. Come on, let's get over the line. And once you get there, you're like, well, what am I supposed to do with my Saturday now? Am I supposed to talk to the wife? Play with the kids? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the, the international break means that if we get beat or, or we struggle at Brentford, we've then got that period of time to kind of mull over it. And then we come back to fixtures against Tottenham and against Liverpool with, of course, European fixtures in between as well. And that's not ideal. You know, you, you would have loved to have picked up an additional six points from Everton and potentially Brentford going into those two really difficult games because that could have put us into a position, um, you know, where we could go into those games not necessarily needing to win them and being able to kind of limit the damage that it does to our position even in the event that we were beaten or failed to get the results that we wanted. So, um, yeah, I don't like the way it's worked out in terms of momentum. I don't like the way it's turned out in terms of giving us the opportunity to put to bed what happened at Old Trafford and move forward. So there, it is a big frustration of mine. I understand that it's out of our hands and I understand that there is, you know, a bigger thing going on right now, particularly in London, that is impacting on all of this. I just find it frustrating that some games are allowed to go on, others are not. Um you know, there just seems to be a, an inconsistency around the way this was all handled. I mean, for example, did we need to cancel last weekend's games? I know a lot of people felt it was the right thing to do from a respect perspective. And I kind of got that. And I wasn't up in arms about it at the time. But now you're looking at other games being cancelled. So we've lost the PSV game. We've lost the Everton game. And all of a sudden, you're one behind. Now you're two behind. You could quite easily be three behind had the Brentford game be pos been postponed as well. And before you know it, you've got a real scheduling issue. The table can look very different as a result of you being behind, which impacts the mood, which impacts the momentum, which feels like the key word on today's podcast. So, yeah, um, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things. We have to just deal with it. We have to just take it in our stride and, and move forward. But, you know, October, I think I read yesterday uh, when I was sort of looking through the fixtures following the uh, announcement of that, uh, PSV game being rescheduled I'll tell you exactly now because I did uh, I think I tweeted it out didn't I yeah just the nine games for Arsenal in October nine games nine fixtures in one month that is crazy and you know we know that the squad is a little bit light in terms of numbers we know that there are certain players that if we're without them we're significantly weaker and it just feels like we're just going to be going from game to game worrying about fitness you're going to wonder if Arsenal can maintain those intensity levels as well with which they've been playing uh, under Mikel Arteta, the high press, the high energy. You know, can we maintain that every three days? Can we get to the point where we're delivering that for the most part of a match every three days? I, I really don't know. And it is a, a bit of a worrying time, I have to say. Um, let's jump back over to the chat. If you uh, can, please do leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. And if you're new to the channel please do subscribe. I've been talking for a couple of weeks about our new members platform, which is coming. It is coming. Um, we are going to announce it next week. Uh, there's some content uh, being made currently, which is going to be the first few bits of members content that will be available to those that sign up. And what we're going to do is we're going to give you a discount code uh, for those of you that want to sign up uh, for a little while and trial it out. And if you don't like it, obviously, 
you can leave we hope you don't uh, but the discount code will give you the membership at a discounted rate uh, for the first month so we're just getting all of that set up from a technical standpoint and we'll be good to go so bear with me on that remember if you are a youtube member you can stay a youtube member but i'd encourage you to come over to the new platform because you get much better value you get much more access and i think it's a lot more user friendly as well so I'll, I'll run you all through it there'll be a video coming out that'll explain all of that and a podcast that will come out as well for our audio listeners to explain how it's all going to work and you can make the decision as to whether you want to support the channel moving forward and as i always say the more support it gets the more time uh, I can then commit to it and the more time I can commit to it hopefully the better the standard of content the better the standard of guests and we can keep moving forward uh, Big GZ in the chat says good afternoon Harry I like the newscaster look uh, just shuffle some papers yeah it is a bit of a newscaster look isn't it there we go there you go <laughs> uh, big hello uh, to Usman uh, who says bro love your show you're doing a great job this has become one of my favorite channels big up thank you so much mate and uh, good to have you here uh, Yusuf is talking about the all-star game we'll come on to that a little bit later on Ayoku says good morning Harry greetings from Canada great show hope you're well mate uh, big hello to uh, Gangle Miklos in Hungary um, Mino says, why are we the only team that our Europa game got rescheduled? It's the London issue, isn't it? Unfortunately. Um, Riddy says, expect more fatigue and injuries, Harry, especially just before the World Cup. Uh, Guna Work says, I think having the Man City game postponed is fine given the circumstances. Would rather that than forfeiting against PSV. It also makes October slightly more manageable. Yeah, because what it does, and, and you make a valid point, is... It takes away one of those three humongous games that we had in October. We've only got focus, well, we've got focus on every game, but having two of those within a month is certainly far healthier than having three of those in a month. Um, but yeah, uh, Bishop says uh, this whole schedule will help us know if we're back as a big team and also let us know um what we have to do to be like the other top teams yeah I mean look we're sitting here and we're complaining about it and we're moaning about it Liverpool have had to deal with this type of thing for a number of seasons Man City too they both have bigger squads you would argue that have been able to cope with that but a squad building thing I believe is an exercise that needs to happen over a number of seasons you know you're not you're not going to go out there and build your dream first team in, an, in 12 months so you need to work towards that once you work towards that then you start building out and I think we've got to the point where our first team is really strong and when everybody's fit and available I fancy us against anyone but beyond that we're still a little bit weak in certain areas and of course we have to look to address that when the time is right and when the opportunity presents itself let's move on to talk about Todd Bowley's suggestion around the Premier League all-star game um this is a hard one, right? So I don't agree with the idea of an all-star game, okay? I don't think that that concept translates into this sport. I just don't see how it can work. I don't think that you can Americanize our sport. And when I say Americanize, I mean bring ideas that are successful and work well in American sports and just assume that you can come and bring them here, drop them into the ocean and that it's all going to work and everybody's going to be happy and everybody's going to go, oh my God, why didn't we think of that before? It just doesn't work like that, okay? And 
I have no issue with American sports, okay? The culture is different. They are different. Um, you know, the way you consume them is different. The access is different. The coverage is different. They're, they're just in a different world in terms of the comparisons between our sport and their sports. And that's not to knock their sports, right? I, I don't have an issue with them. They're not for me, a lot of them, I have to say. But that's because I don't really understand some of them and I don't really understand the culture around them. What I would say, though, is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I know we've got a lot of American viewers and listeners. You watch football, our football, that is, because you like it for what it is. You like the fact that there's jeopardy in football, in that there's relegation, promotion. You like the fact that the fans are so incredibly passionate. You enjoy the tribalism. You enjoy the history that so many of these institutional football clubs and leagues are steeped in. That is what attracts people to our sport from all over the globe and all over the world. If you try to move away from that, it's no longer the game that we all fell in love with. And those ideas like all-star games, you know, maybe they work in the US, but from, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, from friends of mine who watch them and follow them much closer than I do, I've been told that they're not actually all that good. It's just an exhibition match, an opportunity for people to to sort of make lots of money off the back of it. And Todd Bowley suggested that this is something that could be done to generate money and help with the footballing pyramid, i.e. the clubs that are further down the footballing pyramid who do struggle to pay their players, who do struggle to operate. <laughs> let me let me let me be straight with you. If you think that an all-star game between Premier League players, you know, involving Premier League players from a multitude of clubs is going to generate money that will genuinely filter down to the rest of the football pyramid. You're living in cloud cuckoo land. Okay, the Premier League brings in ridiculous sums of money and it's still never stopped some of our most historical and oldest football clubs further down the pyramid going out of business. Nobody stepped in, nobody saved them. Okay, so if you think that this is a good idea on the premise that the money generated is going to help fund football further down the line, then forget it. It's not going to happen. Okay, it's a justification of what would ultimately just be another money spinner. You can't put Man United players against, you know, or sorry, you can't put Man United players in the same team as Liverpool players. You can't put Arsenal players in the same team as Tottenham players. And people keep making that comparison between this idea and international football. It's not the same. It is not the same. Not in a million years, because international football, you're playing for your country, you're playing for your shirt, you're playing for the badge. Do Arsenal players give a shit if they're playing for the South? Do Manchester United players give a shit if they're playing for the North of England? I, I don't think they do. I don't think they really care. I don't think you can, what's the word, uh, manufacture the kind of passion that would be needed to make these games a decent and worthwhile watch. We were talking about this before. Um... You know, could you do league All-Star 11? So could you do the Premier League All-Star 11 against the Serie A All-Star 11, the La Liga All-Star 11, the Bundesliga All-Star 11? Maybe. But the only way I think that works is, or, or is worthwhile, is if it's going to be for a charitable cause. I think people get on board with things that maybe aren't sportingly the greatest ideas when they're for a charitable cause because they want to support and they want to do their bit. But I just, for me, it, it just...
Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I don't know. It's not something that, as I keep saying, translates into this sport. It goes against so much of what this sport is built on. The tribalism, the divides, the rivalries. I don't think it's as easy in our sport as it is maybe in some of the American sports, to put those things to one side. Now, I'm not saying that there are no rivalries in American sport. Of course there are. But I don't know that all of those rivalries, A, are as historic because they haven't obviously been going on as long, but B, are as fierce and are as hostile as some of the ones we have in football. I mean, let's not even use England as an example, okay? Let's talk... Let's talk Barcelona and Real Madrid as so much deeper than just football. It's political. It's everything. Let's talk Roma Lazio. So deep. The Milan derby. Juventus Inter. You know, let's talk Boca Juniors River Plate. These rivalries are deep, really deep, and so deep that it becomes really difficult to get people to come, kind of come together unless they are doing it for their national team, for their country, something that they're extremely passionate about and something that means the world to them. How do you get a player to feel passionate about an all-star team that only congregates once a year and plays again? It just, it, yeah, it just doesn't fit. It really, really doesn't. Um, but having said all of that, that's Todd Bowley's opinion and that's fine. You know, he's allowed to express his opinion. I don't really think that... Some of the reaction with which his comments have been met has been fair. I think some of it's been over the top. I think there's been people who have said, you know, this is a mistake um, to uh, allow him into the English game. Gary Neville's got pretty high up on his soapbox, as he always seems to do with stuff like this. I'll just read you out the tweet that Gary Neville sort of posted when this was kind of a, a hot topic online. He said, where is it? Let me just find it. Bear with me a second. Uh, I keep saying it, but the quicker we get the regulator in, the better. U.S. investment into English football is a clear and present danger to the pyramid and fabric of the game. They just don't get it and think differently. They also don't stop until they get what they want. Now, this is unfair in a lot of ways because, A, not every American owner is coming in with the idea and wanting to change the fabric of our game okay they're coming in because they have an interest and they have the wealth to make that interest part of their business 
uh, portfolio and, and to be involved in something that a lot of them are clearly big fans of. So to say that all of them are a clear and present danger to the pyramid and fabric of the game, I think is unfair. Look, some of the American owners that have come to the Premier League haven't exactly adhered themselves to their fan bases. And there has always been that little bit of tension. But, you know, it was only a few months ago that people were talking about Newcastle's owners being a clear and present danger to the fabric of the game, as Gary Neville would put it. They're not American. You know, the Manchester City owners are people that have been heavily criticised. Another state-owned and state-funded football club who were investigated uh, for financial fair play and managed to get themselves out and around the ban that was uh, that was going to come their way from UEFA. But they don't have American owners. So any owners with a bad intention or the wrong intention are a problem. It doesn't matter where they come from, where they originate from. And that's the part of Gary Neville's statement, tweet, whatever you want to call it, that I didn't really like. Because I think it's unfair to label one group of people and say, well, if they're this, then they must be that. And it just doesn't work like that for me, okay? So, yes... He's got a point about allowing these people, whoever they may be, to come in and have a big influence and be able to change the way our game works. A game that's been around for hundreds of years and a game that is, is let's be honest, it's the biggest followed sport in the world. Okay, I've got American friends who say to me, well, the Super Bowl is, is bigger than the World Cup final. It absolutely is not. And the reason it is not is because outside of the States, yes, there is an audience, but it's not as global as the game that we love and we follow. Football here in Europe, on the continent, um, you know, over in South America, over in Asia. It's massive. It is absolutely massive. And so, uh, you know, the reason it's got there, the reason it is that big is because it's done the right way. It has been done the right way for a long time. And people don't want to change that. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And so people are understandably defensive of it. But yeah, just just these ideas, they, they don't translate. Stop trying to force them on us. Todd Bowley can talk about it, but it should ultimately be down to the authorities. And as long as they stand firm and stand strong, we should be okay. The problem is, is that these owners of these football clubs who make up as Gary Neville would say, the fabric of the league, uh, are in a very powerful position as well. And when they want to push for something, they invariably eventually get to where they want to go. But, you know, just taking it back again, one of the big sort of difficult moments as a football fan over the last few years, for me anyway, was the the sort of um, the realisation of what these clubs were planning with regards to the Super League. The Cronkies were involved, American owners, FSG of Liverpool were involved, American owners. The Glazers were involved, American owners. And and so, you know, they, they were just as much a part of it as anybody else. But Manchester City were involved in the conversations. Roman Abramovich was involved in the conversations. Again, neither of, uh, of those two clubs had any connections or ties with American owners. You know, Tottenham don't have American owners, but they were in the discussion as well. And then you look beyond that and you look at the clubs that were really driving this conversation around the Europa League and the ones that still refuse to drop it even now. Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, they're not American-owned either. So it's wrong to just say it's American owners is the point I'm trying to get to here, right? There are owners with intentions that I believe will do more harm than good to the game in the long term 
that we need to kind of keep at bay a little bit as a sport. And um, Todd Bowley could prove to be one of those people, but just based on him saying, why don't we do an all-star game? I don't think I'm ready to kind of get on my soapbox and say, you're a disgrace, get him out. I can't believe he was ever allowed in, in the way that some others have. But anyway, uh, let's take a, a few of your comments from the chat box on this. Um, what have we got? Uh, Yusuf says, our sport's going to get destroyed. Mino86 uh, says, the whole interview was condescending to our European game. Uh, Riddy says, uh, <coughs> I beg your pardon, sorry. Riddy says, American owners never understand the British football culture and deep-rooted rivalries. Uh, Rapid says, so much anti-Americanism in people's responses. Football has so many exhibition games to make money for clubs. This is just a different type of exhibition game that might generate more interest. Uh, again, like, I hope what I've said clarifies that for me it's not whether it's American, that, you know, an American ideology or a Greek ideology. Like, it, it doesn't bother me where it's coming from. I just don't think it's the right ideology. And I do think that a lot of people that come from the American sports world believe that everything they do is much better and understandably want to implement that and stamp their authority on our game when they come here and vice versa i know of european sports fans who look at american sport and say well this is wrong that's wrong this is how you should do it this is how we do it in europe so those two ideologies are always going to clash right and it's it works both ways so it's not an anti-americanism for me but the idea of an all-star game it is an american thing right pretty much i mean we've we've seen in football you know world 11 against whatever but they've only ever been exhibition matches and and so if you're doing those types of things for charitable causes i think people might get on board maybe as as grizz Khan mentioned on the gas tank earlier today if you was to do it instead of the community shield maybe people might be interested in that but ultimately the idea is an Americanism, which is why people are calling it that. But I don't think, again, it's it's looking at people and saying, well, you, you must be bad because of where you come from. Um, really says it's just alter, uh, sorry, it's just utterly disrespectful to our footballing culture. Uh, Justin says, I'm in the States. I love the Premier League. I will say the All-Star Games in all our sports are pointless. Players don't want to play due to possibly getting hurt. And the all-star games are boring. There you go. There you go. And considering we're talking about this on a show in which I've spent probably the first 15 minutes talking about fixture pileups, injury concerns off the back of that, being able to keep the squad performing at a high level, you can understand where I'm coming from. And, and I think Justin's point kind of backs that up. Uh, Shaquille Clark says, it's not difficult at all. Rivalries are not the same now. And look how Messi and Ramos play together now at PSG a lot of the rivalries are still there my friend you know a, a lot of them are still there you need to be on the terraces to kind of feel those um, and uh, and those rivalries don't just turn off overnight I, somebody commented was it yesterday in in the chat of uh, or the day before or in the comment section mate no actually I don't think it was on YouTube I think it was on my Twitter account somebody said to me I'm an Arsenal fan and I quite like Tottenham and I've got lots of Tottenham supporting friends that quite like Arsenal I can't comprehend that 
I, I can't get my head around that. I, 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 I just don't know. I just can't get my head around that. To me, that makes no sense. It makes no sense. I was brought up to be really tribal, to really back my team to the tilt. And sometimes it comes across in a bad way, I think. And, and at other times, you know, you could pass it off as passion. But yeah, it's um, yeah, that's just something I can't get my head around. Uh, let's take a few more uh, of your comments. Uh, MD says, uh, leave the clean shaven uh, look alone. It is very nice. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, Jake Snack says, US rivalries are massive in the college level, uh, but people not in the States tend to only look at the pro sports, i.e. NFL and NBA. College basketball has a few angry rivalries. Do they have college basketball all-star games? Let me know. Um, Jay Walker says, I can understand the criticism. He has acted obnoxious and uneducated for months. If Graham Henry had said uh, about an all-star game, people wouldn't care so much. Uh, let's move on. Um, Shabihi says, the idea is bad because of the number of other cup competitions that bleed into the schedule. It doesn't leave enough time for an all-star game. Uh, Des Lynham says, Barca versus Real Madrid is nothing compared to Olympiagos versus Banathanaigos in the early 90s. Uh, the most frightening derby I've ever been to, and I've been to many. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a big one as well. That's a big derby for sure. And, um, you know, there's there's always crowd trouble pretty much. And look, I'm not saying I advocate for crowd trouble or people sort of stepping over the line, but you can see that emotions run high and, and sometimes it leads to problems like that. And... Um, and so you can't tell me that those uh, those rivalries are dead. You just can't. Um, okay, let's move on uh, from the all-star game thing. As I said, it's not something that I'm keen on. I hope it doesn't happen. Um, but again, I'm not going to be one of those people that's really kind of sticking their boot in on Todd Bowley because it's an idea of his. I'm sure there are other people out there in positions of influence with ideas that many of us would describe as bad for the game. But as long as they don't come to fruition, it's probably not all that uh much uh worth worrying about uh let's quickly touch on the england squad that was just announced a little while ago ben white has been left out and instead eric dyer and harry Maguire are in this is a this decision is beyond laughable it really really is now i don't care if ben white's not in the england squad um you know other than him personally wanting that and me being happy for him from a purely selfish arsenal fan perspective I couldn't give a shit if he plays for England or not. I prefer he doesn't. I prefer he gets a couple of weeks off and can recover because he's been heavily relied upon at the start of this season for the Gunners. Um, look, I don't understand why Maguire's in there. He's not even playing for Manchester United at the moment, so it makes no sense. And it's a classic case of an international manager who has his favourites and is picking his favourites and isn't picking people solely based on merit. Eric Dyer, I can understand a little bit more because Tottenham defensively have been quite good, but again, doesn't make sense to me. Ben White should be in ahead of both of those guys. And I've been a big defender of Gareth Southgate over the last few years because I think a lot of England fans sort of looked at him in the last World Cup and said, well, that's why we didn't go all the way. Gareth Southgate got it wrong. He was naive when it came to the Euros and England made the final and ended up losing that final again, the finger was largely pointed in Gareth Southgate's direction. But what I would say is this, I can't ever remember prior to the, this, uh, you know, 
sort of last few years in my lifetime, England being so competitive, I can't remember them getting to a World Cup semi-final and a, a European final. Okay, they didn't do the business in the end. They didn't go all the way. But ultimately, he's done a good job overall. But there are a few things that are questionable. And, and decisions like this don't do him any favours because we often talk about him having his favourites and having a certain select group of players that he will include no matter what. Maybe it's because tactically they fit in with what he wants to do. I don't know. But yeah, it's a strange, strange decision. Uh, to include those two. Does he want to play with a back three? Dyer and Maguire, for me, are two centre-backs that are much better in back threes than they are in back fours. Perhaps that's played a part in his thinking. I don't know. But yeah, I'm okay with Ben White not being in there. I'm just a little bit gutted for the lad himself because I think he deserves to be in there. He should be in there based on merit. And uh, for him not to be included must be a bit of a kick in the balls uh, for him on a personal level. Um, what else have we got? Uh, let's quickly touch on Spurs, uh, being Spursy on Tuesday night out in Lisbon, beaten by Sporting, courtesy of two late Sporting goals. I remember watching that game and thinking Spurs have been bad again, and not for the first time this season. They've been really, really poor in a number of games, and they just seem to get away with it. They seem to get by and get a result off the back of a, a moment of individual brilliance, maybe here, there. In sporting, they were they were really poor. I thought they they really struggled. I thought they were uh, finding it difficult to break sporting down, and I thought that sporting you know had a few moments, particularly Marcus Edwards, who used to play for Spurs, where they threatened themselves. But as the game got towards the back end, you started to think, well, this is going to fizzle out. Spurs are going to pick up a respectable point away from home in the Champions League, and off they go. And then they collapsed and it was very Spursy. And Antonio Conte has been incredibly critical of his players and of some individuals as well in the sort of fallout from this defeat. And um, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I've been on the 90 Min show, you know, all season so far. And, and every time I've spoken about Spurs, I've been honest in my assessment in that I don't think they've played very well. Now, the results they've picked up are largely positive. But in terms of the level of performances, it's just not been there. So whenever I say that, I get obviously a barrage of criticism. How can you, an Arsenal fan, be expected to speak objectively about Spurs? I'm genuinely giving you my opinion and my thoughts on where I think they're at. The performances are not there. The results have been there. But that's not sustainable, right? And it's why... Even though we lost at Old Trafford in our last Premier League outing, I'm, I'm still not doom and gloom. I'm still confident because in terms of our performances, they are there. They're at a really, really high level. And if we continue to perform at a really, really high level, there will be games where it doesn't go our way. And there will be games where we don't get the result that we want. But ultimately, more often than not, if we continue to perform at a level that high, there's no reason why we can't continue moving forward and we should win more games than we don't and it's as simple as that so uh yeah um good to see Spurs lose obviously good to see Chelsea held as well um in the Champions League at home to Salzburg Chelsea's situation in that group is is pretty concerning isn't it from a Chelsea perspective um but yeah time of change there isn't it with of course Graham Potter going in Look, I think I'm going to leave it there. Uh, just a brief episode today. Just wanted to bring you guys up to speed with my thoughts on some of the uh, the matters discussed, the postponements, the fixture pileup that is coming off the back of that, the idea of all-star games, um, the fact that Ben White's been left out of the England squad, and, of course, Spurs 
being Spursy. Uh, it is my little girl's birthday tonight, so I'm not going to be online um, doing uh, anything. I'm not going to do a stream. I'm going to go home, spend some time with the family very, very shortly. Um, but I will be back tomorrow and I'll be bringing you the preview after we've heard from Mikel Arteta, of course, of Arsenal's trip to Brentford on Sunday in the Premier League game. Uh, in the Premier League, I beg your pardon. Arsenal back in Premier League action. Huge, huge game opportunity to get back to winning ways, hopefully, and continue our real positive start to the season. I'll see you all soon. Please do uh, leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Make sure... You're subscribed if you're watching us on YouTube. And if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review. I'll catch you all soon. Until next time, take care. Goodbye.